It's the amazing Rico Bronya podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Well, we had ourselves a busy couple of days in spring training. So let's talk all about it on the latest Rico Bronya. How are we doing today? Evan Roberts, Pete Hoffman. We had Max Scherzer battling the pitch clock. We had multiple Met injuries. We had uh, one of the rookies really make an impression over the last few days. And then we had the debut of Justin Verlander and Kodai Senga. Let's start with the injuries because the injuries are our biggest fear of spring training, especially when you look around and you see Tyler Glass now who's going to miss a significant period of time. Uh, when you look and you see Gavin Lux who tore his ACL and is missing the rest of the year. So I've said this before, we just got to survive spring training. We just have to find a way to get through the next three and a half weeks without a catastrophic injury. So I'm sitting there on Saturday. It was actually Saturday night because I DVR'd, not DVR'd, on the MLB app. I didn't start the Mets Saturday game until nighttime. They were taking on the Miami Marlins on Saturday. And it wasn't on SNY. It was a road game. So if you have the MLB app, they, they, they take away all the blackouts. So you can actually watch the Mets, the Yankees, whomever, even when they're not locally televised. So I sat down with my son. We were watching the Met game. Got to see Justin Verlander make his debut. And David Peterson got hit by a line drive. And he recovered, and he made the play. It was on Nick Fortes, the Marlins catcher. And the trainers came out. And my reaction always is this. In spring training, if the trainers come out, your ass is coming out the game. Because it's spring training. What are we doing here? Peterson stays in the game, gets the next two guys out, and then he reveals hours later, hey, I'm a little bit sore. So the Mets go give him x-rays. Luckily, the news is good with him. They labeled it a left foot contusion. So David Peterson is going to be very, very valuable to this team. Even if he isn't on the major league roster right out of the gate, he's going to make a bunch of starts. And more on that later because I tweeted this out a few days ago, but Tim Britton of The Athletic wrote this tremendous article breakdown of how the Mets could use their rotation six man throughout the year, not the entire season, but part of the year. So we'll get to that in a little bit, but David Peterson's important. So luckily his x-rays are all clean. It's a left foot contusion. I think a left foot contusion means he has a boo-boo. I think that's basically what it means. (laughs) He has a black and blue and he's going to be fine. So Peterson's okay. Jose Quintana comes out of the bullpen on Sunday in the game against the Cardinals. And I actually watched only the first inning of the Sunday game, just out of curiosity with Kodai Senga. And we'll touch on Kodai in a little bit. So I didn't see Quintana pitch, but I'm I'm looking at the MLB app and I checked it, I'd say like late in the day. I went out to Brooklyn, saw the Nets beat the Hornets with the family. So maybe it was like in the first quarter. I'm like, let me see how the Mets did. Let me Let me check this out. And as soon as I saw Quintana pitched one inning, I got concerned because, wait a second, Jose Quintana threw one inning? No. And obviously he left with what they're calling, I guess, just side soreness. And that that can be a big deal, by the way. You know, I, I do warn you that side soreness can turn into a freaking oblique. That could turn into more of a major injury. So fingers crossed with Jose Quintana. Remember, in his first spring training start, he got his ass handed to him. And last time on the Rico, I said, look, none of that matters unless he continues to get his ass kicked or there's some kind of soreness. Well, here's your soreness. 
Now, in the inning he pitched, he was fine. So it's not like he got rocked again. But the side soreness thing is a worry. And it's why you need starting pitching depth. And it's why David Peterson and Tyler McGill and Elisar Hernandez and maybe Joey Lucchese at some point are all going to have to make starts for this team. It is very rare, very rare that you get through a major league season in which you're not using seven, eight, nine guys. Rarely do you see a rotation get through with five guys. And it leads me to a fact that was in that Tim Breton article, that tremendous piece in The Athletic from Thursday, in which if you look at teams with older rotations, and the Mets certainly have an older rotation. They got a rotation with a bunch of guys in their 30s. The last time a rotation had four guys, 34 or older, each pitch 150 innings was the 2006 New York Mets. So the Mets are asking for a veteran rotation to do something that nobody's done in a very long time. And and the other weird stat was the last time a rotation had four guys qualify, I think for the ERA, uh, basically qualify to win an ERA title, which means you've thrown, I think it's 162 innings. The last time that's happened, you got to go back like 50 years. So the age of this rotation, and it's not just Verlander, and it's not just Scherzer, they get all the attention, but Carrasco's not young, Quintana's not young, it's a concern. You got four guys in this rotation who are older guys. So fingers crossed with Quintana, but let's be honest, it'd be surprising to get through a big part of this year without having to use not just one reinforcement, but a bunch of reinforcements. Luckily, Verlander is healthy for now. Scherzer is healthy for now. Verlander was fine in the spring training start. I I guess what I was intrigued by with Verlander is nothing about his pitching, but more just seeing him in a Met jersey, seeing that windup, seeing 35, seeing that face with that dimple on his, what is that called? Is that like a clef or something? He paid, what's that called? When you got the little, uh, uh, I think the dimple works. Is that what it is? It's it's a cleft chin, cleft chin. Yeah, whatever it is, the Vince McMahon thing, the butt on your chin, whatever it is. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean he's he's a fine looking gentleman, but it's really just seeing Verlander as a Met, just seeing it, and it was weird. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. It's like seeing Max Scherzer as a Met for the first time. It's strange, you know, when you've watched a guy pitch for as long as Verlander's pitched. And obviously, he's become known as a guy who pitched for two teams. And that's what you think of. You think of Verlander the Tiger. You think of Verlander the Astro. So to imagine him in a different jersey is just strange. But he was fine. He looked good. And what am I looking for? You know, when Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander pitch in spring training, obviously, the pitch clock is a thing for everybody because everybody's getting used to it. So everybody's adjusting to that. But outside of that, it's really just get out of this thing healthy. That's what you're looking for. Um, One other thing about Quintana, by the way, and and I guess this could be considered good. Obviously, if he misses a significant period of time, that's bad. The good is he's not pitching in the WBC for Columbia. So the Mets, who have so many guys going to the World Baseball Classic, a ton of guys, at least got to take one out in Jose Quintana. And and as soon as there was any kind of injury, that was obviously going to happen. We saw that with Vladimir Guerrero with the team Dominican. He's got a minor injury. He's out. So Quintana is now off the Colombian roster. 
and we wait to find out what happens. I think it's obvious if he misses time, because remember, pitchers are on this calendar. So if he misses, let's say, a week and a half, that's going to make you miss the start of the year because you're building up yourself. So you get knocked off kilter by a week and a half, two weeks or so, he's probably starting the year on the injured list. First guy up is David Peterson. To me, it's not even a question. It's not, there's no competition. You know, I don't need to see how Tyler McGill looks in spring training, as well as he pitched at times last year. David Peterson is clearly the guy. So Peterson day-to-day should be fine. Quintana, side issue. We'll get more on that as the week starts. Verlander is healthy. Carrasco had issues with the pitch clock. Okay, fine. First start in. Get used to it. And as far as Kode Sang is concerned, so I watched the first inning. And the number one thing that was on my mind with Senga, besides just seeing him, because very few of us have you know watched the tape from Japan to really watch this guy pitch. But the first thing that was on my mind, I have to tell you, with him more than anyone else was the pitch clock. Because, and it's a stereotype, but it's a stereotype that's true. Japanese pitchers work very slowly. I mean, it's just, it's a reality. You know, you Darvish and Shohei Otani right off the top, look at their pace last year. Their pace was two of the worst in Major League Baseball. Go back to Daisuke Matsuzaka, not only from his days with the Mets, but even when he was good with the Red Sox, the guy took an hour and a half in between pitches. So it's it's just a thing. It's a strategy, I guess, from over Japan. So Kodai Senga is not only adjusting to all the other differences that you have between Japanese baseball and Major League Baseball, you're adapting to the pitch clock. Now, I can't tell you that his struggles early, and really his struggles were that he couldn't throw strikes. And again, I watched this first inning. He walks the leadoff hitter. He walks the second place hitter. And then with two one and nobody out, he falls behind Goldschmidt three and one. Now, I can't tell you that the reason he was missing the strike zone was the pitch clock, but Senga did admit after the game that was on his mind. That's all he was thinking about. He actually couldn't even enjoy the moment because he was so focused on the pitch clock. When I noticed with him in the first inning is immediately gets the baseball and immediately is trying to hear the pitch comp. That's what he's doing. Immediately on the man, he's like, okay, what is it? Okay, got it. Shakes his head, gets into motion, pitches, and didn't have an issue in terms of barely making it or having any pitch clock violations. And the first inning I saw, there were no pitch clock violations. But it worries me because one of the problems with pitch comp from last year is that if the place is loud, you had a tough time hearing, and you'd have to kind of move your hand around and say, I can't hear you. Let's start over. Let's start the signs. Okay, let's go to the physical signs. You don't have that kind of time anymore. So I like the addition of pitch com where the pitcher can decide and tell the catcher what pitch he wants to throw. Luis Severino raved about that at Yankee camp. Max Scherzer even raved about it a little the other day and said he's going to do that, not for every pitch, but big spot. Clock's running down, hit the button. Catcher knows what's coming. So it's a great kind of last-ditch effort if you can't come together on signs and you're concerned about a violation, hit a button. Then you're telling the catcher what's coming. So I think that's great. But what I was worried about with Senga is every call was coming into his earpiece. He walks into City Field first week of April. He ain't going to hear a damn thing. <laughs> He's not. City Field is a lot louder than freaking Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium. I'm sorry. It just is. I like Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium, but it's not rocking the way a Major League Ballpark's going to rock. So Sanga walks the first guy, 
walks the second guy, falls behind Goldie three and one. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is going to be bad. This is just welcome to the majors, Kodai. Two one, nobody out is Goldie and Arenado. Have fun. Three one pitch, pops it up to shortstop. I had the game on mute and I just see Lindor look up into the sky and let it drop. They called infield fly. And I, I don't know if Lindor was like, I'm lazy. I actually don't want to catch this right now. It's spring training. I'm about to go to the WBC. Let me just let it bounce. It's an out and no one's going to advance. So it was either that or he lost it in the sun. I still haven't figured it out, but either way, one out. Then Nolan Arenado comes up. Not easy. And he gets Arenado. I think it was to fly out to right, if I'm not mistaken. Then he faces one of the guys that you're going to have to keep an eye on, one of the hotter prospects in all of baseball, named Jordan Walker. Right, Jordan Walker is going to be, I don't know, rookie of the year candidate. Maybe he's going to go win the rookie of the year. And Jordan Walker is off to this tremendous start in spring training. He's been great. And Kodai Senga unleashed, at least for the first time that we realized, the ghost fork to strike him out. And it looked nasty. It looked nasty. Now, apparently, in the second inning, he gave up a home run, but I never saw it. So it didn't It didn't occur. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, so he pitched the second inning. He gave up a run. Uh, that was the only hit he gave up. He didn't walk anyone else, so I guess it was a relatively clean inning besides the home run that he allowed. So all in all, like, fair debut. He's just has, he has so many things he has to adjust to. You know, Carlos Carrasco is just adjusting to the pitch clock. Max Scherzer is just adjusting to the pitch clock. And it's an adjustment, but everybody's doing it. Kodai Senga not only has to figure that out, which cannot be easy for a guy that takes an hour and a half in between pitches, but then he's just got to figure everything else out. Pitch calm, working with new teammates, a new baseball because the baseballs are different. Even the amount of days in between starts, his routine, the language barrier. It's not going to be easy. And am I setting it up that he's going to get off to a tough start? I, I don't know. I mean, first time around the league, maybe he dominates. I just understand if he gets off to a tough start. You never know. I mean, Masahiro Tanaka came over, and I remember he burst onto the scene. Nobody could touch him. Hideo Nomo, nobody could touch him. So we have seen a lot of examples, <clears throat> excuse me, of Japanese pitchers coming over. And first time around the league, no one has seen this before. Oh, my God. But he's got a good arm. He's throwing 97, 98. We saw a little bit of the ghost fork. Not a bad debut for Kodai Senga. But I guess I am going to go out on a limb and predict he's going to get off to a shaky start. Maybe that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's not really what we want to hear there, Evan. <laughs> but thank you so much. And I will say this. I, I, I did. I watched the home run. I had When I saw that he gave up a home run, I wanted to see how it looked. Because I wanted to see if he got like completely like guy just like murdered the ball it was a an okay it wasn't anything too crazy the guy pulled it got down the line home run it wasn't anything too too nuts but i, I wasn't like okay the guy got you know he, it's still spring training so he's working out on the kinks that's the way i look at it, everything but it wasn't like see, someone just like totally offloaded off him, I, you know? i'm more impressed by how he got out of that first inning because think about it i know it's spring training and it's roger dean stadium this is his debut in american baseball and he debuts by walk guys, okay? And then he's facing two starts back-to-back. It's not like he got some easy break. He's facing Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. 
and he got both guys out and then strikes out Jordan Walker. I thought that was actually pretty impressive uh, for a real debut, a debut debut in American baseball. So, yeah, it's it's fine. Just stay healthy and learn the pitch clock, which is for everybody. I mean, 